We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Credit Karma and Blue Wire Hustle. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the fine folks here at Blue Wire. And joining me tonight is a slightly less special guest because he was here for the last pod. A managing editor, man in charge, whatever the official title is, of TheNinersNation.com. KP, Kyle Posey, what's going on, bro? Back again. Thanks for having me. So what happens after the fifth time I'm on is just like, and this guy, uh, Kyle Posey, yeah, he's, he's here, I guess. <laughs> I'll have to, uh, I'll have, I'll have to get some sort of, I'll have to get some sort of title going for you, bro. I, 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 I I'll, I'll I think it. of something, dude. I mean, I, I, on your first, first time out, I used the word juggernaut. So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to find a way to maybe keep that around. It's such a cool word to say. It's a great word. Great word. It's a it's a special word, and I'm a big X Men guy. So uh, favorite character? Um, it's probably a tie between Colossus and, I mean the 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 easy one is Wolverine. Right. Um, that. Everybody loves Wolverine, but I've always loved uh, Colossus. If you don't know who Colossus is, he's the guy that looks like a normal dude, and then he changes himself into complete metal. So I just always thought that was pretty cool. And he's a really nice dude, so it's just you know I was all about it. Anyways, I'm sure this is what you're here to to talk about. We could we could go a Marvel route sometime. I'm always down for <laughs> Marvel. I've been an X Men fan my whole life, but OTAs are happening right now. It's so exciting, unbelievable energy in the air. The atmosphere is electric. The takes are strong. I mean, I don't know, man. We, you've seen. We've both, because you didn't get a chance to go to OTAs, right? Usually, we save that for the training camp time. Yeah, I'm probably I'm not going to OTAs. Why not, man? It's it's, <laughs> it's the takeaways are. Uh, yeah, it's, it's. I love it's it. Just- I do love the overreaction. I'm not going to lie because 
you can just put any video out and 20 different people will be like, uh, hey, he did this or, oh, my God, he sucks or just off of a practice individual drill. It's hilarious. Right. Well, and I even I even tweeted something about um because uh, everybody's talking about that clip where they're sitting there, standing there, throwing next to each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo's always had a fast release, guys. So it's not a big deal. It's just one little piece of the big puzzle. And a lot of the comments were like, yeah, but yeah, but Jimmy can't run and trick. It's like, it's not that big a deal, man. It's, it's just, it's just cool to look at. They both have their skill sets and you know, it, it, in a drill like that, Jimmy's going to look great. Right. But, Aesthetically, like he's as good as it gets when it comes to mechanics and release and everything that happens, you know, leading up to the throw. It right. would be news if Trey Lance was more advanced than Jimmy. Like Jimmy is supposed to be this, you know, processing this faster, this quicker, all that right now because it is June. Well, that and that kind of leads me to what I was going to start this out by talking to you about. Like, what is your what are your what are your overall feelings on kind of the not the relationship between Trey and Jimmy. That's that's too touchy feely. Like, what are you? What's your feelings on the competition? There is there one? Could one develop throughout training camp, or do you feel like kind of Jimmy's got a handle on it and he should be the guy? Um, and and things would have to go awry for Trey to step in there. What do you think, man? Like, what's your just general thought on on the the, the pair? I forgot who I told this to, but just after they drafted Trey Lance. Because somebody asked just, hey, do you think Trey Lance is going to win the starting job, you know, week one or in heading into training camp? Um, it would be a problem if Jimmy Garoppolo, 30-year-old quarterback, was beaten out by a 21-year-old who just came from North Dakota State and did not play in 2020. That would be an issue. So if I think Jimmy's going to win the job based on his NFL experience. Like Trey Lance is probably going to show flashes, but he would have to do a lot to beat Jimmy out to start the season. Yeah, and that, and that's basically where I've been too. Like, is there a reality where Trey Lance just explodes and and we it ends up being to where what we saw at, at North Dakota State was only like the the surface of it? Sure, and and Jimmy's like, fuck, man, like, what do I what do I do? But at the same time, like, and I think a lot of this comes from just the general because Jimmy's not great, but he's not bad. He's right. middle of the road. Maybe, you know, right around bottom, you know, the back end of that middle group. And he's, you know, he's a genuine NFL starting quarterback. And if he wasn't with the 49ers, he would be starting for somebody. And, you know, we've seen flashes of greatness, flashes of absolutely horrible play. And that's kind of just been the Jimmy. That's his thing. The reason he's middle of the road is because he's so inconsistent. But so, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it would be nuts if Trey Lance stepped in there. Um, and was able to just outright win the job from a quarterback who'd managed to earn a, you know, a, a almost thirty million dollars a year. So it would be crazy for him to step in and do that. Uh, it just seems like it's kind of going. It's kind of like a best case scenario for the 49ers right now. Like there isn't any weird things when it comes. Doesn't seem to be any weird things when it comes to their relationship. Doesn't seem to be any weird things when it comes to kind of like their dynamic on the field off the field and we're just getting this thing started. Could that change? Sure. But you know, the, I think the 49ers would like as, as much as they're ready to move on and, and see what their life is like with Trey Lance. I think in the short term, the 49ers would probably prefer Jimmy Garoppolo to win the job because he's there. They're paying him. 
They would like to get some sort of worth from him, whether that's actually helping them win football games, actually helping them develop Trey Lance, or you know, or increase, increasing his trade value. Right? You know, like I think that if you look at all the pluses and minuses of the whole situation, I think the 49ers would probably benefit the most from Jimmy Garoppolo winning the job. You would absolutely. think, right? Yeah, absolutely. So think about what would have to happen. Uh, Trey Lance would have to be very special just in a, a preseason game when everybody can see it because you can you can hide a little bit of it during training camp. But even then, you know, the media is not going to come away with, hey, uh, Trey Lance is doing this much better. Like we're people are going to tell you when that is when that is going to happen. So I was thinking of examples and I don't know if it was uh, Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson just recently. Uh, when he was a rookie, he beat out or who, whoever is back. He wasn't very good. I forgot who it was, but he beat him out pretty much within the first half of a game. Or if you go in the preseason, it was Carr and Schaub in the with the Raiders. And in that scenario, uh, Schaub or Carr was so much better that the Raiders had to play him. So these are very extreme cases, and that's just not really going to happen. And also, the money wise matters. Jimmy has the experience, so I just would be very very surprised. But I guess what is the next question is when does Trey Lance become the starter? Man, yeah, that's and that's and that's the thing is is Jimmy so Garoppolo. Yeah, there's just so many different things that goes into it, man. Like Jimmy Garoppolo could hey get hurt because he does that. Then all of a sudden, boom, there's Trey Lance. Whether he's ready or not, he's the guy and he's out there. Like you know, like that. And I don't think the 49ers, the 49ers would not appreciate that. They don't seem like. Kyle and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch don't seem like very like they're not they don't make knee jerk reactions to almost anything. They seem kind of like you know level headed when it comes to that. So I don't think that they're in any hurry to just throw Trey Lance out there and be like let's you know let's see what he can do because 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 our jobs are on the line when they're not. And so they've got time. They would rather that time be kind of they would rather Trey Lance be eased into this whole mix than just thrown out there in week two when Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again. So obviously that's one way he sees the field. And then the other way to me, I just, again, right now, I just don't see Trey Lance just outright stealing the job from Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has to lose the job. So if he goes out and by week six or seven, is just playing consistently like shit. Then all of a sudden, the idea of getting Trey Lance out there just to build some experience makes a lot of sense. But to me, those are the two big variables. Does Jimmy stay healthy? And does he play like shit? If he stays healthy and he plays great, then I think the 49ers would be perfectly fine with Trey Lance not playing this season. It's a little weird because Trey Lance hasn't played football in a while. But I still think in the grand scheme of things long term, I don't think they'd be upset if Trey Lance didn't play this year it would mean that things went all right. So there are so many devil's advocate points to everything you just said and everything about this entire QB controversy. So the, one of the big parts about a rookie contract is you have four years where he's getting paid pennies, quote unquote, right. compared to what a starting NFL quarterback should be. So on the one hand, you give up multiple first round picks. So you want to take advantage of that contract. On the other hand, if you invested in this much into a quarterback and he's not ready to play, you can't just throw him to the wolves because we've seen young quarterbacks struggle early and never, ever recover. So that would be the last thing you want to do for a guy like Lance's development, especially since he didn't play in 2020. So just that dynamic alone is, I mean, you can do this 
time and time with everything you just said. It's wild. Um, a lot going on here, but again, I, I honestly, I have no idea. And I don't think the, the 49ers are in a good situation where they don't have to rush. They don't have to play Trey Lance. And I think that is what's important here. Yeah. Cause I've always been, whether it's, I mean, obviously, usually with a team that's picking first overall, there's already going to be this inherent need and pressure for a quarterback to start right out the gate because that's why they're number one overall. But the 49ers are just in a very, very, very unique situation where they don't have to force him in. And I think I think most teams in the NFL, if they didn't have to force a rookie quarterback to play, they wouldn't. It's just very rare that a team selecting that high has that luxury. And the 49ers just happen to be one of those teams. So I don't necessarily think that they can go about it the wrong way, if that makes sense. Now, I, I do think that rushing Trey Lance out there would be the wrong thing to do, but that's going to be hard to do with the presence of Jimmy Garoppolo. And if he's that good that he just outright beats out Jimmy Garoppolo, then it makes sense to get him out there because he's ready. And that's it. You know, so it's just it seems like it's a tough situation to screw up. Right. Like there's there's just they kind of just they can let it naturally evolve and, and happen and just see where it goes. And and that's kind of where the storyline's going to be throughout training camp is 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 there something to talk about there? People are going to talk about it no oh, matter yeah. what. But is it real? We'll see. Yeah. What I want to know is what happens if 49ers are four and two, four and three, five and three. You know, they're doing well. But Jimmy's playing okay. He's like middling. He's not doing enough where, I mean, I don't know how else to say this, but just compare him to like an Alex Smith situation. Is Do you pull him then? I don't know, man. I, I would think the, the pull would only happen if if it's bad, bad. Like, I don't know. It's just And, and also the, the big factor of, of taking Jimmy Garoppolo out is, in his current form, whatever that form is at that moment, do the 49ers think they get better with Trey Lance? True. They might. They might, but they also might not. They'd be like, hey, like, yeah, we took this guy third overall, and we have a very high opinion of him, but he's brand new. He's a brand new rookie. Like, we don't think it's in our best interest to throw him out there right now. And in yeah, that well, case, no. they may – yeah, that's the big thing. I've said a lot in the past is it's like an eye test thing, you know, like you'll know it when you see it. And yeah. Well, that and if Jimmy shouldn't be out there, then <laughs> we'll know, like you'll just be looking at it and be like, yep, time for the new guy. But <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, when you know, I guess. Yeah, you exactly. Know when you so know. What I was going to say is we'll know how the 49ers feel about Trey Lance by how often and how early he plays. Because do you think they're going to do that package, Trey Lance package thing? I I would not. I don't think so at all. I think Kyle is going to take care of his investment. Like Trey Lance might get a series or two series here and there, but I don't think it's going to be him doing anything gimmicky. Um, they're going to – like he's their future. And the last thing you want to have is your number three overall investment with multiple first-round picks, mind you. And you're, he's taking hits from linebackers because you're going to run him up the middle on a short yardage situation. No, just let him play quarterback. That's what you drafted him for. Yeah, to me, that would be the worst thing to do. It's like I'm not necessarily all the way opposed to, to creating like Trey Lance packages, but they have to be real things. Like you can't just put Trey Lance out there and you know when he's out there that he's probably not going to throw and run the ball. Like that would be the worst thing you could do because 
Trey Lance is a good quarterback. He can throw the football. Like it shouldn't be just like, Oh, Trey Lance is out of here. Um, they're either running it or he's running it. Like it's gotta be something real. Otherwise it's just, it's probably causing more harm than good. I think it it absolutely is. Think about the muscle memory that it would create. So your young quarterback who's never thrown a pass in the NFL, you're sending him out there in like quote unquote wildcat packages. Come on, man. You're going to turn him into a run first guy. And then it's just going to mess up with his entire psyche development as an NFL quarterback moving forward. I would, I, that's not a smart idea. Yeah. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. Anyways, let's keep rolling. Um, hella receivers are hurt. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Andy, that's why Andy Jones was a thing was because the 49ers have like no receivers to throw to. So it's, um, referring to Chris Peterman of the Sacramento Bees tweet, uh, the 49ers top receivers yesterday were Muhammad Sanu and Trent Sherfield, both, uh, veteran guys that, you know, obviously you've heard of Muhammad Sanu. A lot of you guys probably don't even realize Trent Sherfield's on the roster. Um, Brandon Ayuk is out with a groin strain. Uh, well, it just says groin. I don't want to add the word strain and it not really be a strain. It could just be uncomfort. And at this stage, they wouldn't play him. Um, Debo Samuel out with a personal matter. Travis Benjamin, who missed last, who opted out of last season. Uh, he's got a calf injury. And Jalen Hurd is still rehabilitating his knee. And then you've got Richie James, who has a hamstring when he was working out on the, on the side field. So the entire 49ers receiving core that was projected to – to make the roster, at least a good part of it, are, are they're not practicing right now. So that is how you end up with a uh, Andy Jones signing. Every, you know, like we were laughing about that the last time we were on here. Uh, that's how you get an Andy Jones is when you have nobody. When your top two OTA receivers are Muhammad Sanu and Trent Sherfield. So in- interesting, I guess. I don't know. As man. a play caller, what do you do with that? What, how can you evaluate Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance? I mean, Nate Sudfield, Josh Rose, and all of your quarterbacks when those are the receivers that he's throwing to. That's tough. Yeah, it's it is it is just throw to George Kittle over and over. I guess <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just keep hitting that guy. Um, yeah, that's that's a rough spot to be in. I mean, I'd have to I'd have to pop up the roster and see who is actually. It'd be easier to name the. The healthy receivers. I know you have Juwan Jennings. Uh, let me scroll down here. I'm trying to Benny Fallard would be out there. Okay, River Craycraft. Some big names on this list. Um, and there's Andy <laughs> Jones. Yeah, that's it. Kevin White still. Out. Kevin White. Okay, so the 49ers healthy receivers: Kevin White, Austin Watkins Jr., undrafted free agent; Andy Jones, Juwan Jennings, Benny Fowler, and River Craycraft. Damn. The corners are just like having the practices of their lives. That's the quest for six right there, baby. It is, man. You can't can't compete with that. So, yeah, the 49ers are – none of those injuries are significant. They're expected to be ready for training camp. But the fact that we're already having to read about significant injuries is just annoying. It's – Yeah, like how how is this – how are they already rehabbing, I think? And and hopefully, as you mentioned, they're going to be back by training camp. And hopefully this is just precautionary, but – the fact that, you know, there's already just the banged up sense, it's it's never ending. It isn't. It isn't. And I I know that there's been official, like, people that put way more recent research into it than I have. But I think the 49ers have had, over the last, like, two or three years, one of the most 
injured teams in like football history. Seriously, which, uh. <laughs> which checks out. Like it feels like that. It it feels that way, but I don't know, man. So tell tell me, because you were before you moved over to Niners Nation. What did you do? So I was in accounting um, for a startup company in downtown Phoenix. Oh, well, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, that's cool though. I was talking about the team. Are you asking? Oh, <laughs> what, um, it's yeah. a horrible way of phrasing the question. <laughs> what team did you cover before you covered the Niners? Okay, perfect. Yeah, I covered the Chargers from about 2014 to 2018. So you got to see Jason Brett just go through it. Yeah, I've seen Jason Brett's entire career. Which is both exciting and heartbreaking. Yes. <laughs> and now we're back to exciting again. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's always been – this much of a baller and it's, it's cool to see him you know persevere through everything he's gone through because good lord it's been a lot yeah but the reason i brought up the chargers is because the 49ers are going to be hanging out with him a little later in the offseason right yeah i got a little preseason action coming up and they are going to hold some joint practices before they play a game so finally i'm sure for them especially at that point during training camp having to stare at the same face for probably nearly a month by then um They'll be able to go against, you know, George Kittle, Derwin James, Trent Williams, Joey Bosa. Will Trent Williams answer the question, who's better, Joey or Nick? Oh, man, that is a question right there. I want to see – it makes no sense and has no logic whatsoever, but I just want to see Joey and Nick Bosa go up against each other in something. <laughs> like, right. I just want to see what those two – like, I just picture the that picture of, like, bears fighting. You know, yeah, like – exactly. Just That's like, straight up. right. Yeah. I just, I feel like whatever they would be doing against each other, it would look like that. Cause they're both just absolute freaks. Yeah. We're absolute talking about freaks. like two of the top five pass rushers in the NFL and they're brothers. That's what a, some genes right there. Yeah, I know. I know, man. But then you look at the dad and you're like, yeah, sure. Makes Checks sense. Out. <laughs> they all have like jaw lines of steel. It's crazy. Um, so, I mean, what is, I mean, what do you think are the biggest benefits of of joint practices? I mean, it's like just kind of getting game action before the games, right? Yeah, you can evaluate a lot actually, and you can get into different type of controlled settings. Um, you're you're facing different competitions, so I think that is probably the biggest one where you can in a preseason game. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't control that environment, and you can't in practice. So, if you want to do contact for twenty minutes here. They're going to do it and you can do the one on ones. And by then, in the middle of August, in late August, even uh, these guys are going to be so like Jason Verrett is going to be tired of going against Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is going to hate going against Emmanuel Mosley because they've been going against each other every day for three weeks straight. And now you get to see different cornerbacks, you see different linemen, you see different moves. Um, and so you get another preseason game in each practice or with each rep. So I think there's a lot of value in that um, just from a, a competition standpoint. Yeah, it should be cool. And I, I, the first thing that, that popped up to me, other than the Bosa brothers, is the 49ers, or, yeah, the 49ers secondary will get put through its paces again, a, a little bit, yes. because, you know, that those Chargers receivers are no joke. I mean, Keenan Allen's maybe top three, top five. I yeah, mean, I have a pretty five, high sure. opinion of, of, of Keenan Allen, but he's insane. Uh, they still got Mike Williams, right? Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I mean, just those two alone. There's somebody I'm forgetting, though. I want to say there's one more person I'm forgetting. Do they, they sign somebody? I don't know. But maybe I'm just wrong. 
I just I feel like there's one more. I know they let Hunter Henry go. Yeah, he's he's out. He's out. No, no. Sorry, I'm like going to the Chargers. I just it's bugging me, okay? Let me see. So they drafted Josh Palmer in the third. I'm looking at their roster now. Um, Keenan maybe Allen, that's why Julio's a landing Hill, spot. Tyron Johnson, Jason Morgan. Nope. Mike Williams and 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 Keenan Allen are the studs. Okay, maybe it was yeah. maybe I was I was basing that off of off someone they were rumored to be in the mix for or something like that. But right. um yeah, no, that I mean, just being able to go up against those guys is is massive, massive. It, not necessarily for, I mean, it's massive for everybody. But Jason Brett knows what it's like to go up against guys like that. I mean, he he he. I mean, arguably won his matchup against DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he limited him quite a bit. Oh, um, so it's he kind of knows what it is to go up against the best. But you got two rookies and Ambry Thomas and Demo uh, that will. Get some reps, and and for some reason, I feel like Demo's getting a little bit of getting a little bit of gas. Jason Rett gave him a little bit of gas today or yesterday, but you know it's it's cool that that play that he made on an Austin Watkins was pretty impressive. Now Austin Watkins is an undrafted free agent, but I mean that was still straps. You know what I'm talking about? That pick. Oh yeah, that was an impressive play, and he actually freaking caught it too. That's another thing. DBs always make these great plays, but they never catch the ball, and he made a good catch and uh, all hands. yeah, by the way, and it was away from his body. By the way, Verrett made it seem uh, he's doing, he's making plays, and, and that wasn't the only play that he made. So, yeah, just about the that joint practice. I think it's good for Kinlaw to go against an experienced center like Corey Lindsley. So, uh, yeah. two to three practices every day going against that type of competition, like that'll be great for a guy like Kinlaw because that's another guy who is just getting a lot of gas uh, from D'Amico Ryan. Well, from everybody is what it felt like. If you have not seen a picture of Joan Kinlaw, he is a very large human being, and the players and coaches were quick to remind us of that. I think I feel like Javon Kinlaw's lower half weighs like two hundred pounds. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> like from his hips down, like his butt, his thighs, his quads, like he is just massive. Like there are all kinds of humans on this planet that their entire body weighs less than. Javon Kinlaw's lower half. Like, that dude is just – he is big. And he did some freaky things, too, like real freak athlete stuff. I remember um, Brian Baldinger breaking down a play where he just really quickly shot left in a, in, a, in a phone booth, shot left, and then came back right. And his legs were – like, his, like, body was just, like, two or three feet off the ground. And it was knowing how big he is and how tall he is and how wide he is, it's like, man, you just wouldn't expect to see something like that from a guy like him. And, and it's stuff like that where you're like, okay, this is why the 49ers thought he even had a chance of replacing somebody like DeForest Buckner. His little freak stuff like that that you're just hoping to kind of make more common, right? Like get, just get the most out of it. Yeah, and that's what it made – so when Ryan's was talking about how OTAs was important for guys like Ken Law because they weren't able to do this last you know last year because they weren't allowed inside the building and Ken Law even talked about a, l- a little bit about it himself just being in the building since February so he's been able to get this work in and kind of refine his skills so yeah he has a chance to be very very good and it helps when you are bigger than everybody else and stronger than everybody else one of his biggest issues that I felt last year was I mean if you just watch him against Alabama, he's overpowering like the best of the best, but he tried to play like that as a rookie 
And that doesn't work in the NFL because you are literally going against the best of the best. So uh, once he just has a more of a plan to attack as a pass rusher, I think he will just unlock and be a very special guy because, I mean, he's already very, very good against the run. Um, you just mentioned how Baldy's talking about reading his keys and getting off the ball. So just once he has a plan, once he figures out what to do as a pass rusher, he, he's going to be he's going to be special. But to compare him to like Buckner, people wanted Buckner right away. Like, come on, that's Buckner is not in every draft. So that's that's not fair comparison. It's not apples to apples. No, it's not. And it's just. I mean, yeah, you're you're just trying to ask a rookie to replicate what an all pro does. And very it normal. Just, it just yeah, it doesn't work like that. But all right, before we so when we come back. We're going to get into the press conferences and kind of our reaction to those. There was a lot of really, really good little things to take away. If you haven't seen the press conferences from yesterday with D'Amico Ryans, um, uh, Jimmy Ward, uh, Samson Abacom, and there was one more in there, Jason Verrett. Uh, they were just it was it was it was a better day for press conferences in terms of just quotes and and funny shit. So we're going to get to that. And, and kind of give our reaction to that here in a little bit. But before we get into that, we're going to get a quick word in from Blue Wire Hustle. If you love listening to us here on Striking Gold, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle's created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. Part of the program, you're going to receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top producers, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the other platforms. Best part is, it's only 15 bucks a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site's going to charge just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about the 49ers, then make your voice heard on Blue Wire Hustle. Acceptance into the program's limited, so get your application in today. Go to a bwhustle.com slash join to apply. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, a little press conference action. And, and again, usually the press conferences, more times than not, they're kind of like, you know, you know what you're going to get. They're usually pretty down the line. Um, but for the most part, it was it was entertaining. Now, did you first up was D'Amico Ryans, and I know, KP, you were in the Zooms 
I want to, I want to be in most press conference zooms, but they're like usually right in the middle of my school day. And I can't like say, Hey kids, you need to sit down, be quiet. I'm going <laughs> to tune in. I'm going to jump. I'm going to end the zoom that I've got going for class. I'm going to get in the 49ers press conferences and then I'll get you guys back in here in a little bit. Okay. All right. Break. You know, like I can't, Unfortunately, that's not really an option to me. But I know you were there, so let's start with D'Amico Ryan's. Did you did you take anything from his press conference just out of the ordinary? So I mean, he had your typical cliches: "We're going to be fast and we're going to be aggressive," which every <laughs> defensive coordinator ever says in their first you know initial press conference. Which, by the way, why is this the first time we've spoken to him? It's in June, but anyway, yeah, I, um, I don't know, man. He went out of his way to make it a point that they were really going to be fast and this defense is not going to look like what Robert Sala looked like. So um, maybe they plan on being just blitzing a lot more. Maybe there's going to be a lot more man coverage, but it's all just a guessing game. So uh, I just like the way he handled himself. That was cool. It seemed like he wasn't in over his head. He was prepared just to answer whatever question. And he also gave good insight. He didn't he didn't give one word answers. He wasn't. he just wasn't reserved. He was good. He was just good for the media. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. And one, what's funny too, is my first note on his press conference was I wonder, like, and you brought this up immediately is I want to see a defensive coordinator that sits down for his first press conference and just says, you know what? We're going to play pretty slow. We're going to be very passive. We're going to be as sloppy as we can. And we're going to miss a lot of tackles, mm-hmm. you know, like, it could obviously be a joke, but that shit gets said so much. Like as, as if there's another option. Like, are you been a great bingo card? Uh, I know. Like, what are you gonna play? Like, do you want to play medium? Or of course you're gonna play fast. You're gonna try to. It's just a funny thing. But you asked a good question of D'Amico Ryan's. Um, you kind of asked, are there any players on this defense that you felt? Now you feel are like kind of due for a breakout season. You're excited to see what they're going to do this year. Um, take us through that because I, I, you, I'm assuming you remember the players uh, he mentioned. So, so what did you feel about that? Yeah, so I wanted to, I wanted him to say somebody outside the box because we always talk about you know Kinlaw. We always talk about Bosa, Fred Warner. They're good players because they have a lot of good players. So he did, he did that. He said Kevin Givens, and he mentioned Kevin Givens before he said. Javon Kinlaw, who was the second name, and then he also mentioned Dre Greenlaw. But I wanted him to do that because, you know, we're always used to talking about the best players. So with Givens, he said, yeah, I think when you talk about young players who are on the verge of breaking out, I look at a young guy like Kevin Givens and the way that he's been working. It's been outstanding to see him work. He's getting better and better each day. So uh, we haven't talked about we haven't spoken about Givens because he had an assault charge at the end of March. But NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoko said that assault charge was dropped. So Givens is in the clear. And I remember uh, just back in during the season. So I just chart these games to see who's actually winning because uh, there are so many stats that tell you a lot. But I just want to know, are you beating your man? Are you winning? And through week eight of last year, and that's pretty much when I tapped out, um, Givens had the most wins, but he also had the most wins uh, between Kerry Hyder, Javon Kinlaw, and Eric Armstead uh, at 21. The other nobody else had over 17. And he also did it with by playing the fewest snaps, 229. And back then, Javon Kinlaw, who was the second person that Ryan's mentioned, said, quote, Kev, like Coach say, he got some crazy stuff in his lower body, his flexibility, his explosiveness, his quickness. And in quote, Javon Kinlaw said a lot, you know, something similar along those lines 
uh, just the other day when he was talking about Kevin Givens. So whatever they're seeing out of him, they must like a lot. And he just needs to get better, bigger, stronger. But um, he's going to be able to get better by you know playing more. So uh, that'll be good because we, we talked about it a little before we got on here. The 49ers have like a sneaky good backup defensive line. And if you remember when they were kicking people in the teeth in 2019, that's because they would send out another wave of guys and they could all win and they were fresh and they would just wear on offensive lines as the game went on. Yeah, I've, I've liked Kevin Givens, man, and he just seems like one of those smaller, quicker guys that ha- at least, at the very least, have a place in the NFL, right? Like, right. they just, they, they don't, all, all defensive linemen don't have to be huge. I mean, Aaron Donald's probably one of the smaller defensive linemen in the NFL. He just is Aaron Donald, so he just wins. And it's he just is a very, very rare example that shows that it really can be done in all shapes and sizes. And I don't think Kevin Givens is even 300 pounds. Um, he's a smaller dude. I think he's still in the two hundreds and he, uh, and he, I think he's only like six, two. So, you know, if, if you're going to be that small, you're going to win with some interesting ways like quickness, flexibility, stuff like that. So I'm just interested to see kind of what he comes out and does because even, uh, you know, the great Brian Baldinger broke down plays, uh, of his too, just talking about that. He kind of wasn't no joke. So, he definitely has a little bit more of an opportunity this year and can kind of be a part of that that rotation. Um, I mean, Dre Greenlaw, another guy that, that Ryan's talked about, he was okay last year. You know, I, I, I kind of one of those – I guess he wasn't having his name called too often, which can be a good thing for a position like linebacker, but it would be interesting for him to see if he could take another step forward um, because it should be just him and – and Warner, for the most part, right? There's nobody really else even in the mix at that competition, is there? Am I, am I forgetting somebody? No. So, I mean, you have Aziz Al-Shahir. Uh, you have, what's his name? Uh, Flanagan Foles, Demetrius Flanagan Foles. Right. And, like, Jonas Griffith. So, those are the guys, I imagine, who would compete for. And then Nate Gary, but uh, Jerry, Gary, whatever it is. Nate Jerry, but he has an Achilles, so he wasn't practicing either. Um, but th- that's going to be their linebacking corpse. But still, like it's going to be Greenlaw. And I'm glad you said that because I don't think he was as good as people think he was last year. And there, we're still riding on a couple plays made in 2019. And a lot of his numbers were significantly worse from 2019 to 2020. And you can kind of see it just with watching Greenlaw. He was a little more hesitant. I think he was just thinking too much, honestly. It was that simple where he's just trying to overanalyze everything instead of just playing fast, playing ball. So... Hopefully that's what, you know, Demigo Ryans gets out of Dre Greenlaw because they are going to need him to play well, especially with, you know, them playing as much sub-package nickel as they do. So, yeah, I I'm was not as high on Dre Greenlaw's second year, um, but he, he definitely has to get better. What do you think about uh, – I mean, when you mention ways that Givens could win, just him compared to Kinlaw is, is pad level. If, if Kinlaw could take one thing – from Givens, who is it's easier when you know you're six inches shorter than the other, but I imagine just pad level would do worlds for Kinlaw because everybody, as we mentioned, has been talking about him. And Ryan's said he's another player, he's a second year player who's going to take a huge jump for us. When you look at another player, um, or said he's gotten better every time, you know, over these past couple over these past couple weeks. So, I mean, if we go around, who's who's not saying that about their first round pick, to be fair, and it's OTAs, you're going to. Speak highly of your investments. 
Is there anybody else? Like, it doesn't have to be necessarily defensive, but is there anybody else on the roster that you like could see having a bigger impact than a lot of people expect? Hmm. I don't want to put you on the spot. I, I mean, I can lead off because I mentioned it to you before we started recording. Um, but it was Zach Kerr, the guy they signed. I think he was on the Panthers last year. Yeah, uh, if I, if I'm not That's mistaken. Good. They signed him in relatively early on in free agency, and he's just a huge dude. 6'2", 334 pounds. He's a veteran. He's bigger than the league for eight years, and he's actually, like, pretty good. Like, I, I, I told KP before we started recording that I felt like it was kind of one of the more underrated signings uh, or one of the more underrated moves of the 49ers free agency uh you know and obviously that's understandable given how much the 49ers got done but you're talking about a guy that almost had like if, if you like pro football focus he had almost an elite grade last year he had like an 84 um still managed five four sacks despite being an interior guy uh you know above 20 tackles forced a fumble that was recovered for a touchdown he's just one of those guys that i could see being a, a pretty big part of that rotation I don't know how the 49ers are going to set up their defensive line and what they're going to kind of what they're going to be trying to go for there, you know, if it's more speed. But he's still pretty quick. So, you know, I, I'm just I'm interested to watch him. I think that he could be somebody that pops out a little bit more than a lot of people expect. That was just kind of like my first example of a player that may not be getting a lot of buzz that could end up playing a big role. Did you do you happen to think of one? So I, I love Kerr, by the way, and I, I have watched a little bit of him. And I think he is a guy, as we talk about the depth on the defensive line, like he, who knows how much Bosa is going to play the first month of the season. And you don't want Eric Armstead playing, you know, 80% of the snaps so he wears down at the end of the season. So guys like Kerr, you know, they'll be able to take pressure off the interior guys because you they have so many players that can play inside and outside. But I saw a stat where I was looking this up before where – uh, Eric Armstead actually rushed the passer, or his pressure percentage was 8.5, and Kerr's was 9.2 last year. So he gets after the quarterback. And uh, I think with being aggressive and playing next two stars, Kerr's probably going to be even better. But, I mean, it's tough because, for me because I'm always on the um, the hype trains of who these mythical creatures that we create. So Jalen Hurd, I, I think if he is healthy, uh, he will be the wide receiver three that the 49ers so desperately need and want. Um, that's going to just be able to beat single coverage. But I think with the way that Ryan's is going to do things, I think he might run a little bit more uh, dime defense. So whoever the 49ers six defensive back is, whether that's Tarverius Moore, whether that's the safety they took out of USC or whoever it may be, I think that player is going to have a bigger impact than we think. And just, just creating havoc on third downs and allowing them to do more. Yeah, I like the idea of of getting more secondary players out there, especially somebody like Tarverius Moore that can, like kind of can do multiple things. Yeah, you know, like he's not going to be out of place near the line of scrimmage. He's not that small. You know, he can play near the line of scrimmage. He's fast enough and quick enough to play deep. That's somebody who you could kind of put anywhere and feel okay about. You know, it's, it it would be cool. I like the idea of having just more speed in in later downs than than maybe what offenses are used to defenses having that would be that would be something but speaking of speed speaking of secondaries did like Jimmy Ward not put together like one of the funniest <laughs> press conferences like ever that guy what did you say about him on, on the text message like 
Why was he so happy? <laughs> so, first of all, he got a new number. He's going to be rocking number one. So that's probably why he is happy because he got his re- he got a new number. But yeah, he had to be either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to say this? These things, yeah, dude. Of um, course you can. Um, here. So I said he either got paid. He had some sex. He got a haircut. Made plays in practice or all of the above because it, <laughs> his mood was amazing. Like, he was fun. That's how every conference should be because he was cracking jokes with the reporters. He was keeping it light. Um, it was just entertaining. And I think these pressers would be a lot more fun if nobody took themselves seriously, both the media and the players, because that was great, man. That, that's how it should be. Well, yeah, and it, it's a good thing to see, too, with, uh, you know, kind of all the talk about what media so- sessions can be like as of late. Uh that was a good kind of just a refreshing thing. Not that it's like that for everybody, but you kind of, like you said, wish it, they would be like that more often. I mean, it was funny when he, when he heard Grant ask a question yeah. and he's like, Hey, I watch your videos. Like it was, it was just super funny, but yeah, man, he seemed like a dude that was just in super high spirits. And one of the things that kind of stood out to me that he said, and he said a lot of interesting things, but he like openly talked about the fact that like when he first got to San Francisco, like he had a terrible time and then he had a rough go at it and he was taking it from the media. He was taking it from fans. He was probably taking it from himself, you know, cause he probably wasn't playing up to, to what he thought he could be. And he just kind of openly expressed how he was proud about the fact that he had such a tough time coming into the league and he fought through it, and he wasn't traded. He wasn't cut. He just earned a place on this roster. And one thing he didn't mention that I mentioned to you before you started recording, like he's one of the few players on this roster that was here before John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan showed up, which adds an even another level of adversity that he's had to fight through. And now he's considered among the better safeties in the NFL. And, and nobody should at this point have a problem with anything Jimmy Ward is doing on the field. So I just thought that was really cool, you know, to, for him to acknowledge the fact that like, Hey man, when, like it sucked and I'm really happy to be where I am now. I don't, did anything else stand out to you, including that? Yeah, that was genuine. I love that part. I wish players would speak more about that because it was clearly affecting him for him to bring it up in 2021 to bring up the right, early part right. of his career where he was just – he said, I took so much heat in the media just playing out there. And then he also talked about bouncing from position to position. And he said, I was able to stand through a storm. I'm still here. I'm still with the same team. My peers love me. My teammates love me and my coaches. So, yeah, he's he's proud of himself. But I love that he was able to speak about that because, man, I, I can only imagine how many people – um, just ca- ca- kind of hold on to that and sit on it. And for those who think, you know, well, why don't you just not search your name or why don't you just go off the internet? It's so easy for you to say that when nobody <laughs> is talking about you. Have, <laughs> right. have millions of people saying things about you and see if, you know, you won't be able to shut that down. So it, it's much easier said than done. But yeah, good for him. And obviously he had the quote about um, <laughs> being a leadership and he'll do whatever it takes. So if I have to be the asshole, I'll be the asshole. But honestly, just his mood, the entire presser was pretty cool. It was, it was. And, uh, you know, the funny thing too, another funny one is if, if you were to critique Jimmy Ward's career, you know, ignoring all the, you know, the bumps and bruises he took early on, because Jimmy Ward is, is, I think a lot of 49er fans kind of like, he still has this aura, like he's even a relatively new player. 
but he's been in the league for seven years now. Like he's, he's a bona fide veteran and he, through all that time, he only has two picks. That's That's it. He has, he has a, he has a, uh, he has four forced fumbles, which is respectable, but he only has two picks. And what's funny is Biederman brought up the idea of, you know, does his role in D'Amico Ryan's defense, does he feel like it's going to result in more turnovers? And his reaction was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> I like you, you know he's thought of it. And you know he's read it. And you know he's heard it. But he was just like, man, I got to fucking talk about turnovers again. Like, so, so he dropped one last year. Remember that, right? Against the Saints? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, at least he's had a pick six, which is cool. Um, I think he did a front flip into the end zone. But it was – you know, it's just another one of those things. It was so refreshingly honest to just listen to him talk about it. And he just was like, yeah. I, and what's funny, too, is he even said, he's like, I wish I could be like some other safeties, you know, and just kind of roam around the field. And, and you could tell he was basically saying and get interceptions. Yeah, but, he, wanted to, he wanted to say it so bad. And multiple times he said, like, man, I hope I hope D'Amico hooks me up every now and then, you know, and puts him in a spot where, you know, because because – defensive coordinators like just like offensive coordinators will get a will get a sense of how defensive coordinators will call games or what they'll run in certain situations defensive coordinators are going to get a sense of what play the offense is going to run and so they could put guys like hey if they run what i think they're going to run this could be a pick for you like those situations happen especially at, at high levels when defensive coordinators are just as talented as offensive coordinator. So Jimmy Ward was like, man, I hope D'Amico Ryans gives me a chance to just make a pick. Like he was just, you could tell he wants it just as bad as everybody else wants him to get a pick. So it's been, I was just looking up the numbers and it's been over a hundred targets since Jimmy Ward has last had an interception. Um, It's gotta be eating at him because this happened way back in 2017 and it was in September yeah. too, so it was like one of the first month in the first month of the season. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can only imagine how much crap he gets from people. Because I mean, just the, the basic brains, we think defensive back they are only good whether based on whether they get an interception or not. Uh, oh man, uh, that was funny. That his reaction was was again just genuine because I'm sure he knows it's coming, and the fact that he got it, he was just like, oh. Well, I mean, and the guy has, to his career, 36 pass breakups. In 2016, he had 12 of them. You know, like, the guy has gotten his hand on the ball a lot. He just hasn't caught it. (laughs) You know, and and it was just so cool because he just seems so genuine about it all. Like, he's he, he has, like, zero ego. You know, like, he just was willing to kind of talk about whatever. And that's why, with very little, like, prompting, he just opened up about his struggles early on in his career. And, and, you know, like his cap number this year is like 10 million bucks. Like he's made it. He's a genuine NFL safety that's getting paid pretty well. And he's at a point too, where either the 49ers are going to keep him around at, at a similar salary, if not a little bit more, or another team will still pay him. You know, I I don't know how many more years he has left, but. I, I want to push back on, he has no ego. Because he is very quick to say that there's nobody here who can move around and play all these different positions. That's kind of been his thing when he gets on social media as well. Like, who do you know that can guard the slide, that can play the deep post, that can uh, play outside if he has to, or play just off coverage, play the little robber role? 
um, that enforcer role, as they call it. So I think he knows he's good. I think he wishes that other people understood how good he was because <laughs> that's uh, probably more accurate. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's he wishes that there was just a way for people to know how important he is for the 49ers defense because, yeah, he is asked to do a lot. And that is fair. And, you know, again, it just goes back to the numbers where we're only looking at pass breakups and interceptions to determine whether a guy's good or not. Yeah, he's got a he's got a ten million dollar or basically eleven million dollar cap number this year and eleven point five million dollar cap next year, and then the uh, that third twenty twenty three year is just a void year. So he's got two more seasons left with the 49ers. and if they're going how they have been going, he's either going to stay on the team at a similar number or another team's going to pay him. Like he's he's not too old to warrant you know a, a decent payday. So. Uh, it, it's just good, you know, for, for situations to work out like that. It's not normal, you know, like the odds of, of somebody having a Jimmy Ward career are really, 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 really low. So it's, it's just cool to see it work out like that, you know, and speaking of working out, you got Jason Brett who also had a press conference and immediately was like, oh, I don't want to hear about these injuries anymore. Such a I had a healthy question. season. What's that? Such a bad question. Yeah, he's just like, I don't want to hear about these injuries anymore. I, I was healthy all last year. I had one of the better seasons for any corner, and I'm planning on doing that again. You know, yes. like a like 29-year-old dude, and we, we know that he's fought through a bunch because last year was the first time he played double-digit games since 2015. So we should concentrate on that. We should concentrate on him, you know, as you said, being – I would say comfortably a top 10 cornerback in the NFL. So let's talk about recovering. Let's talk about what it was like to bounce back and not, hey, is your knee going to hold up again? Like, come on, man. Um, now, are you going to be again, okay I, out there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's 29. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – I mean, it's just such – I talked about this so much last season too. Like, it's such a fucking cool story. Like, that – just to – even I mean I'm I'm not I'm knocking on wood right now. Even if like it doesn't really become anything more than it was last season, you know, like you could imagine what kind of movie that would make. Like Jason Verrett comes in, makes some ridiculous plays, puts some ridiculous stuff on tape, and then undergoes like two or three years of just the worst injury luck ever. Yeah. And then to like just stay to just stay in shape through those injuries is an accomplishment in and of itself, let alone stay in NFL shape and rehabilitate yourself and get back out there and then play like an elite corner again. Like to me, it just blows my mind. I, I just, like I respect it so much. Like it's just, it's so impressive and admirable and it would be cool to see him do it again, man. It, it was fun to watch that, that pass breakup, of DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone. It's got to be like one of his, his career highlight plays. Yeah, that was a great game. I think that just kind of tells you the type of cornerback that he is because he can guard DK Metcalf, he can guard DeAndre Hopkins, but he can also guard the smaller, shiftier receivers. Um, Obviously, there was a one play where Stephon Diggs got him, but if there's Stephon a cornerback... Diggs gets everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's a cornerback that you want guarding the Devontae Adams, uh, the Stephon Diggs... That's a guy because he can he can just he has the flexibility to you know the capabilities to guard any type of receiver. You mentioned being able to stay in shape. I'm, I remember the Athletics Matt Barrows reporting that uh, Verrett was running on the treadmill like last the December before the season, 
he was already running like 21, 22 miles an hour, which would have been like the one of the, one of the fastest times in the NFL um, for the game speed. So yeah, just an elite athlete. I don't think people understand that. So to be able to still perform as as an elite athlete at this age after what he's gone through is pretty special. But you, you say um, you were talking about him on the field. They're going to need him. <laughs> they yeah, it seems yeah, yeah. like. They were relying on him, which is a risky proposition. I don't know if I would have done that. I might have invested in a cornerback a little bit earlier. But, um, yeah, if he is not out there, they are going to have some serious question marks. Yeah, yeah. The 49ers don't even want to talk about injuries with him either. Like, it's just not a reality they're prepared to expect. And that's why, you know, uh, Brett being so impressed with Demo is like a big deal. If they could have somebody in there that one would be a competent backup and two in a best case scenario could push, um, Emmanuel Mosley for a job. Yeah. Like, you know, that like any, anybody that can get even close to, to competing with Emmanuel Mosley, even if they don't win the job, it's a great thing because you never know what's going to happen. The 49ers hope they have somebody back there. And they're going to be looking at that spot through training camp. We've already heard about them looking into Richard Sherman uh, about bringing him back again. And and who knows what you would be able to get out of him at this point. Um, but they really want Jason Barrett to stay healthy, obviously. And they really want one of those, those you know, Ambry Thomas – or uh, I got to learn how to uh, pronounce Demo's whole name. I owe it to him. Diamador Lenore. Diamador Lenore. Well, see, that's why you're here, man. You you make me better. <laughs> you make me oh, better. Oh, that's only because I've screwed it up. That's the only reason I know that. Um, it but, has, once you memorize it, you got it. Diamador yeah, Lenore. Like, yeah, it sounds yeah. cool. So let me ask you this. They, if they were to sign Richard Sherman, that's probably an indictment on Lenore and Thomas, right? That just means those two are not know ready to play right away or does that even say something about Mosley where uh we just have to have a guy that we can trust that we know and that's why we're bringing Sherman back yeah I think it's an indictment on everybody like I I I don't now Demo and Thomas like would I hold it against them no they're rookies they're they're just coming along it's not like I would think they're doomed but at the same time it would it would be the biggest indictment on Emmanuel Mosley and we already saw by the way last season played out you know him kind of losing his job to uh, Akella Witherspoon, you know, him being healthy but not being out there. Even Dante Johnson was getting snaps when maybe Emmanuel Mosley could have been. Yeah. We don't, re- you know, we don't really know how it all played out and, and there could be some health issues in there. But so it, to me, it would be all on him. Like if, if he can't recapture that role and be a good number two corner, then that's when they're giving Richard Sherman a call who. I don't know. I just don't know what you get from Richard Sherman at this point. Are there better corners out there that they could sign than Richard Sherman? I don't know because there's such a X factor or a different different element to Richard Sherman than just his play on the field. Like I would imagine being a safety, being a linebacker, and looking over and seeing Richard Sherman over there just kind of has an effect. You know, whether he's the lockdown corner he used to be is obviously that's not the case. But to me, just having him in the room, in the defensive meetings, in the corner room, on the field, that would, it, it'd be like just having like just an, another coach and like a father presence on the field. And I could see that having effects that would be hard to, you know, put on a chart. 
So I, I remember Verrett saying something along the lines of like he didn't really know how to watch film until he got with Richard Sherman. So and and Mosley said something something similar where he learned so much off the field, not even what you do in between the lines, but just off the field about preparation from Sherman. So even Jimmy Garoppolo said that. True, yeah, <laughs> the quarterback. So it's nuts. Just putting just that type of player. He has that much knowledge where he can spread it to yeah the quarterback, the wide receivers because he's working with wide receivers afterwards. Tell him hey after the play hey do this do that. Um, here's what I'm looking for. So. Yeah, maybe they should just bring Sherman in as a consultant. <laughs> I know, I know, man. I, I, I guarantee you he's going to get a lot of interest as a coach. I don't think he's going to want to do it because I think he wants to go the, the TV route, the uh, you know the color commentary route, which would also be excellent. I would, I would love to hear Richard Sherman go that route. Um, but, it, I mean, the dude is just – he's just as, as log solid as it could be. But, anyways, did we uh, – what do you think? Did we leave anything out? Are we good? I think we got everything, man. Richburg officially retired. Got that. The 49ers signed uh, Michael Pruitt, former tight end. Um, I didn't want to say that fast because I think it actually is <laughs> Michael. Yeah. Um, so, and that's how it's spelled, too. From what I know, just a blocking guy. Like, I know he's considered a pretty solid blocking tight end. But to me, if I mean, that's just an indictment of everybody behind Kittle, right? Yeah, again, either it is an indictment or it's just that they have no bodies and they need somebody to practice. But it could be that too. I, that- I think I think you're closer to being right because like they have they have tight ends and they have this tight end type of body. So you know what you have and the fact that they're looking so early, uh, it's not good. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But does it really fucking matter when you have George Kittle? Eh, not that much, but um, it, you know, it's, they do like running two tight end sets. So, um, yeah, I think we got it, man. I thought, I think we got it. You got any, uh, any closing thoughts you want to leave us with after this excellent pod? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just looking forward to more material. So again, we didn't know that we would be talking about Jimmy Ward wearing number one. We didn't know that we'd be talking about Jimmy Ward period, uh, two days ago. So the 49ers just always give us content. Keep giving us content, baby. Yeah, I know, man. I know. Same, same, but all right. Well, I appreciate everybody out there listening. Appreciate everybody that's that's tuning in, making striking gold what it is. Remember, I've said it a million times. Uh, we wouldn't be able to be on here recording and be in this situation without you guys listening, um, supporting, partaking, interacting. Uh, me and KP, you'll have to jump on that locker room app here sometime soon, um, so we can get some uh, maybe for like a mailbag or something, so we can get. Oh yeah. Starts. I I just like talking with the fans, man, and and BS and it's, it's just a lot of fun and, and it gets real funny, but, um, so be expecting that sometime soon, but again, end all, uh, make sure you're following, uh, KP on Twitter, KP underscore show, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And then you got me, uh, you already know my handle. You guys have heard it a million times. You don't want to follow me anyway. It's boring as hell. <laughs> um, and just leave us those reviews, the, the subscribes, the likes, the shares, what you guys know all about it, whatever. But uh, hey, in the end, you guys know that I just appreciate you. Thanks for making it, uh, making it to where we can do this uh, for another episode. I'm Rob. That's KP. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.